0: Dr. Duez Yes, we can rebuild it. We can make it smarter, more more, co- more coherent, and a little less rapey. <laughs> hey there guys, it's movies after work. This is Thomas Green. This is Alex Duez. And uh, yes, we are uh, t- today we are you you voted and we complied. We will be attempting to fix. The Dark Universe, the universal monster movie franchise that is exactly one movie long. Um, Yeah,
1: people were going, people were generous, they were going gentle on us for the first time. Yeah. I think if we make this some sort of series, like, I can't wait until we get to the fucking X-Men franchise where we have to watch 12 movies and try to make sense of all of them.
0: We, We have our work cut out for us uh, with this both, um, in the, the actual meaning and the expression meaning. Um, cause there's definitely, a, it's definitely easier with just one movie, but it's also, um, you know, we've got to basically create something from nothing. So it, it's, it's, you know, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun to, to sit and work on this and, uh, be, be scrolling around to. To try to come up with with my thoughts on it. Um, yeah, I know you were having f- some fun with it too.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a good uh, thought experiment. I, I hope mine's as as well thought out as yours is, but I, I doubt it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I have more free time than you, so it's not so much that it's well thought out. It's just it's just more thirst for uh, for entertainment wherever I can find it. <laughs> Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna call it that sounds a lot better. Yeah, um, but before we get into it, uh, we do obviously have to talk about the the big thing that has happened since our last episode, which is the uh, tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, this hit hard. Yeah, I
1: um, this was on like a Friday or Saturday night, correct? It was like I, I I don't remember the exact day of the week, but it was. I remember it was late. It was like ten, you know, ten o'clock, ten thirty that I found out. Um, and it, it had, you know, I found out from my sister scrolling through Facebook, and she's like, Chadwick Boseman died, and I'm like, you have to be reading that wrong. Like this, this has to be a joke. This has to be someone else. Like you're not talking about the you know black panther and uh you yeah, know obviously he was and um i mean you couldn't you couldn't get a, away from it i mean the the outpouring after his death was was immense i mean obviously he meant quite a lot to you know so many people but especially um you know young black americans um or young black people in general looking up to a hero, you know, on film that they maybe hadn't been, resi- you know, represented by at that point, at that point. Um, and yeah, I, I, I texted you shortly thereafter and, you know, I, I hate to do that cause it feels, it feels skeevy like to, cause I, you know, when I reached out to you, I don't want to make that, you know, about me or anything else, but I had assumed that you saw it, but yeah, that was, yeah, that
0: was yeah, and and I I had either just seen it or I hadn't seen it yet. I can't remember anymore. Um, but it's, I mean, yeah, and I'm setting. I mean, setting even just setting aside the uh, the impact that was the um, you know the Black Panther films. You have his essentially his trilogy of biopics where he, you know, there was 42, Get On Up, and uh, Marshall. Yeah. And the thing that was different about these three films, at least from my perspective, was I didn't feel like I was watching an A-list person of color pl- doing a biopic... Basically is a word bait yeah about something on not necessarily easy but something um, that more palatable for a wide audience yeah, whereas I mean get on up is really the most the, i I hate to use this word, but I can't think of a better one at the moment it's the most cliche of of the 3. I mean, honestly, despite the subject matter of Marshall, I think 42 is far more uh challenging to to watch uh because of what's going on. I mean, as as a side note to cast Alan Tudyk, everyone's, you know, love bunny and and <laughs> Disney regular. As you know this angry racist baseball player who's screaming and yelling at him at one point um, really really hits that movie home makes it harder to watch yeah uh, but in a way that you know means that you need to be watching it Um, so it's just you know it is it's yeah it's a huge loss because one this was somebody who the the Black Panther stuff was it was a it was a stepping off point Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know it was like it was not um, you know as, as much as I love Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man and that role for him is kind of his career high point. Yeah. Um, It's kind of the apex for his career. Um, I hope it's not true, but it potentially could be the same thing for, you know, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Uh, As the two I immediately think of in that department for that. Um, Also, uh, totally spacing on his name right now, but Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner. Okay. Um, you know, there, there are some people in these Marvel movies and you know, this is the apex of their career.
1: Yeah.
0: There is nobody who's been in an MC, MCU movie that, that was less true for than him.
1: Yeah.
0: This was the beginning of something. This was basically the beginning of something big. This was why, um, when people like actors, they want to see them in superhero movies or whatever big franchise kind of thing is trending at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, it's because it's that recognition,
1: Yeah,
0: you know, it's that it's getting them noticed, getting them the clout so they can go and do the stuff that we, that they are capable of, but might not have gotten to do without that name recognition. Yeah. And that was what he had coming for him, for sure. Um, definitely. And you know, most
1: immediately in my mind, you know, I draw comparisons to um Philip Seymour Hoffman just because, you know, that's an actor that personally mm. I I loved so much and you know, I saw great potential for um for future projects, future work and you know, and, that can that can absolutely be said um, for Chadwick Boseman, if not more so than Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, he had you know potentially so many years ahead of him, and you know this was taken you know he was taken by something so you know tragic and and unexpected because he you know kept it very very um, private. Yes. Uh, But, you know, to, to realize that he died of colon cancer, I mean, it's just like, fuck, that's not fair. Like it's, it was, it was nothing he could have done. It was, you know, it's nothing that was preventable unless, you know, maybe caught earlier. But, you know, that was, that was not brought upon by his lifestyle or diet or or anything like that. You know, that is, that's strictly, he was dealt a shitty hand and, you know, it's, it's, Great that we have projects to look back on, but you know, fuck, he would have had great projects ahead of him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, speaking, I, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to speak as little on this as possible because I don't think it's fair for it to to fully define him. Um, mm-hmm. But in regards to Black Panther, you know, he, you know, he embodied a character in an amazing way. And yeah, he, he changed things for a lot of people. Yeah. there are lots of kids out there that view the world differently because of him. And, uh, you know, I try to be careful with, with the phrasing of this because I don't want to cheapen, um, things like, uh, you know, the blade trilogy, which were superhero films with a, you know, with a, a black lead actor. Yeah. Um but of course those are rated R movies that aren't really supposed to be watched by kids.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and they're about somebody going out there and just beating the ever loving shit out of evil. Yeah. Um but you know, with with Black Panther you had this superhero who was trying to focus on diplomacy.
1: Yeah.
0: And that, in its own right, was so unique and such a powerful thing to witness.
1: Um,
0: so, you know, I, I don't want to think on Black Panther 2. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, should we recast? Should, you know, Bla- should T'Challa just be gone? And, and Shuri takes it. Like, I, I don't want to think on these th- ideas. And I yeah. understand for some people, for some people, this is their way of, uh, it's their way of coping mm-hmm. is, is to look at what they remember that person for and to cling to it. Yep. Um, but for, for me, it's just, it's not how I want to, want to look at things basically just because I don't want to, I don't want to define him solely by a single, single character. Yeah, and, and
1: it, I, it, it, it's also not what we should be focusing on right now. Um, no. I mean, I understand that, you know, I don't even think, even even the most money-hungry people at Disney are not focused on what they're going to do with Black Panther 2 right this second. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's conversations that are going to be had, but, you know, I, I appreciated your, your tweet. You know, it was just a matter of days after after Chadwick Boseman had passed, but you know, screen ramp putting something out like, uh, can black Panther two happen without Chadwick Boseman? It's like, can we take a fucking second to yeah. like, not just jump on the shittiest bandwagon available? Like, you know, we, there was just a article from, we got this covered or something like that that um, said curious is, is to replace or you know, be the next black Panther. And, regardless of whether or not you like that decision, like that is not the conversation we need to be having right now.
0: Well, also also it should be reminded to everyone that we've got, we've got this covered is basically what would happen is it's essentially the gossip, the gossipness of TMZ with the, I'm going to say this about somebody without verifying it and talk about it like it's reality. That is Wendy yeah. Williams talk show. Yeah,
1: no, that 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 wasn't me saying that. You know, they're a trusted source. That's just yeah. That
0: I was, just think that if,
1: me pointing out the fact of how how shitty they are. But I
0: think I think it's true. always good to remind people though that we've got this covered. You know, don't they. I don't want to call it lying, but mm-hmm. they they without clearly without any source, often declare things as fact. Yeah. Because they're hoping to be able to say I, I knew before anyone. Yeah, they want they
1: want to get clicks, but that's that's strictly their business.
0: Yeah. But fo focusing on the matter at hand, um, you know, this this is an incredible loss. I you know, I I feel for his family. I feel for his friends, both professional and personal. Um, I have experienced, as many people have, I've experienced watching, a, you know, a family member spend years fighting cancer yeah. and then lose. Mm-hmm. Years before it seems right or fair for them to have to be taken. Yeah. It, there is no amount of years of watching them go through it that ever really and truly prepares you. Yeah. There just isn't. So, yeah. my heart is with them. Um, because, you know, because I could relate to it so much, it, it hit me harder than I, than I fully expected it to. Um, but yeah, my, my heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to, um, all the, all the kids out there that have had their faith shaken a little bit in, in what the future can hold for them.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, um, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, I had a couple different thoughts there while you were talking. Um, I mean, it's it's just it's tragic. You know, this this gives people an opportunity to look back on some of the incredible work that he's already done. Um, And you know, like you said, we don't want this. We, you know, you and I personally love the MCU, and you know, we could talk about the MCU and Black Panther specifically all day long. um, But you know, that's not the only role that was important to him, or, or. had an impact. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this makes people go back and, and watch more of his films. Um, but also to watch those MCU films with a newfound appreciation that he was going through something. So, you know, profoundly painful and, and, you know, tragic, but like, was still managing to pull through because of, you know, that's just the caliber of actor he was. And, yeah. You knew what that uh character meant to so many people
0: absolutely so we're gonna we're gonna leave that there um for now i'm sure as as time goes on there's the potential that um there'll be more to speak on on it but we we are gonna leave that leave that there for right now um we're going to dive into um the the main event of tonight's episode uh fi- fixing a franchise
1: yeah we need to, we need to come up with a uh with like a sl- uh, slogan for this or or a tagline
0: yeah as soon as we figure out anything besides a basic title of what this show is called <laughs> we can worry <laughs> about the subsections of it <laughs> um so yeah, this is something we've been talking about doing for a while. Uh and we're trying, as we've mentioned in the past, we're trying to kind of um expand this show. Expand you know, make it more than just a, a movie of the week style show. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we you know, we do wanna keep things mixed up and interesting both for, for those listening but also for ourselves. Um, in complete fairness. Um But, yeah, so we we want to dive into this whole, you know, fixing a franchise thing. Uh, First, uh, for you guys, we want to go over the rules that we set for ourselves. Um, Because it's easy enough to just, you know, erase everything and start from scratch and go, this is how I would have done it. We didn't want to make it that easy. Uh, We wanted to challenge ourselves a little bit. So uh, we have four rules for doing this. Uh, the first is no cast changes. Um, there can be minor adjust, there can be adjustments to the character, but you can't sit, you can't sit there and go, okay, I you know so all of these characters I'm recasting. Who's here's you know no you it's you know you are stuck with the actors that are in the movie. Um, you're you're stuck with them, so you have to work with what you have. Uh, second, uh, and obviously it didn't apply with this one, but no film order changes. So, using 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 a, a random example, because we've already touched on it in this episode, the MCU, you couldn't go, okay, well, I would have Guardians of the Galaxy before Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, which, first of all, you'd be wrong to have that opinion if you thought, excuse me, thought that. But... You can't do that. You're stuck. Whatever the running order of the movies is, that's the running order of the franchise. You have to work with that. Um, no complete rewriting of the script. You know the the core of the. You know, obviously, um, you know we're not going to sit here and pick apart every single little you know line of dialogue and rewrite it and stuff like that to begin with. But you can't wipe the script clear put in an entirely new plot and um, you know, the main plot has to exist. Minor adjustments to like B plots, you know, subplots and stuff like that, whatever. But the main plot has to remain intact. Um, I mean, again, because otherwise this would just be too easy. Um, But that leads us to the fourth rule. Which is You get one drastic rule breaker. Now, what that means is you could recast a single character from the movie. You could switch two movies. You could actually purge the script. Although I don't think either one of us is ever going to do that because that's way too much extra work. No, um, no. but you do get one drastic change. Um, I don't mind it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it gives, it gives this a, um, you know, it gives us a little bit more freedom and, uh, it kind of helps us accentuate parts that we really think were flaws of, franchise movie what have you yeah um, so with that being said let's dive into the mummy now if I did we watch this at the theater
1: uh, I have I did not watch this before yesterday so okay. no I, I personally did not watch this at the theater
0: I knew I did I couldn't remember if I watched it with you or not
1: no I feel like once this I might have already have left the theater by that point. Um, and if I didn't, I was nearly going to. Um, but this came out in 2016, I believe, or 2017?
0: 2017.
1: 2017. Okay. So this, this had to be within my last couple months at the theater, I think.
0: Well, this is summer yeah. 2017, so you also might have had personal stuff... Um, because I don't, I think by then you either had a newborn at home or were about to. Yeah. Because during that uh, time you didn't stay for many movies unless you really wanted to see them. So it yeah, might also have been that. <laughs> true. True. I
1: I think yeah, 2017 is when my son was born. So um, by that point, I was I was out of the theater by that point. Um. But yeah, I I, I had just watched it for the first time last night. Um, and I had wanted to watch it beforehand, but, you know, once I had heard reviews and knew it wasn't particularly good and nothing came from the Dark Universe, I, you know, it wasn't something that I was going to seek out until <laughs> we did something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is basically the only way this movie was going to show up on here. Um, <laughs> now, it should be noted, uh, because this uh, this question might be coming up for some of you listening, um, because the recent Elizabeth Moss Ma, uh, Invisible Man movie did not have the Dark Universe logo at the beginning, mm-hmm. it is not part of this franchise slash universe, therefore it is not part of this. Nope. this Nope. Exclu- this is a franchise that exclusively has one movie in it. <laughs> so, bear that in mind. Um so before we get into our
1: our re rates and everything, what what are your what is your thoughts on this film as as it
0: stands now? This movie was painful. Yeah. <laughs> um it was painful in the fact that this was this was even worse than the Benicio del Toro Wolfman in regards to not being able to decide embrace and commit to a tone yeah. that the movie existed in. It wanted to both be the 99 mummy, yeah, which you just can't, that's that movie was lightning in a bottle. You can't recreate it. Yeah. Uh, but it wanted to be that, but it also wanted to be some like hard PG 13 movie. And then mm-hmm. it also had just kind of a slight feel of wanting to be hot topic. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so, it, th- this is a movie that is so fractured in its tone that it was just doomed. Yeah. Well, that was that was one of my biggest
1: uh, complaints with the film is is when I heard about this becoming a thing, the Dark Universe. I was legitimately very excited about it, um, and Same. then we got you know, so we got more information about it, and we knew. You know, Russell Crowe was attached, and Johnny Depp was attached, and uh, Javier Bardem was attached, mm-hmm. and you know, those were exciting things. And I couldn't remember, um, you know, I had to do some some light research on it. I couldn't remember who Javier Bardem was playing, but you just seeing him in that cast photo, in that cast photo is awful. But just seeing him there, it's a very
0: awkward cast photo. <laughs> he,
1: like Javier Bardem, has the ability to. I could have seen him playing a multitude of people in this dark universe. Mm-hmm. He could have been a great Dracula. He could yes. have been a great Wolfman. He could have been a great Doctor Frankenstein. Um, he was supposed to be Frankenstein's monster, which I think is a not a great choice.
0: Um, uh, it just depends on the script, um, yeah. Because I mean, you don't the the thing that you got to remember and this is a a universal you is we had the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein with Robert De Niro as the monster. Mm, And he's like, regardless of the quality of the movie, De Niro is quite good as the monster in that film. Mm. He's quite good with what he's given. Well,
1: you know, with what excited me about this and what excited me watching the film was, you know, with the, um, Universal Monsters, with that IP, I feel like it was afforded the opportunity to be so much darker than anything, you know, any of its contemporaries. You know, it might have not been the Conjuring level, like, you know, scary. Um, or, you know, but it had, it didn't have to be the MCU. It didn't have to be the the DCEU. It didn't have to be, you know, anything that it might have been pseudo-competing with, um it could have been a straight up horror franchise because the the best parts of this film is when it's trying to be a straight up horror film like when Amina is summoning the the god of a god of death and you know there's that black you know ghoulish figure that's like stalking up behind her and it's you know disfigured and it's moving you know awkwardly like that part that figure is like pretty pretty startling and i'm like This is good. This part specifically is good. And then there's just no consistency throughout the rest of the film. Tom Cruise feels like Star-Lord. Like, every time he's on screen, I'm like, this line would be delivered so much better by Chris Pratt. Like, it's... It's... it's So much feels like Star-Lord. He's a thief. He's competent, but his aspirations are way above his abilities. Like, you know, he's kind of a ladies' man, but he's also kind of a moron like he, just everything about it felt like star lord and i'm like i don't know why this is the type of character you're trying to portray here yeah. because i mean it didn't feel like it didn't feel like any of the characters in this film had character had charisma or anything like this was- and all
0: of This was was one of those movies where you're watching it, kind of like the first Cloverfield movie, where you're watching it going, can we just skip to them dying? Because that's really what I'm here for (laughs) at this point. Well, even Jake Johnson, who you know I
1: love as an actor, I love him in New Girl, which that was a little, again, a little strange with his character being named Nick, and he spends the entirety of the first five minutes screaming the name Nick over and over again at Tom Cruise. I'm like... (laughs) Maybe pick a different name, if that's the character he's most closely tied to, but I guess he's not in a tremendous amount of the film. But even Jake Johnson is, like, he's not well-utilized, and then they kill him. And he's brought back as the schoolish figure, but none of the horror elements jive with each other. Like, the mummy looked completely different from the the god of death, which looks completely different from the corpses that she resurrects, which looks completely different from whatever the fuck Tom Cruise is at the end. Like, none of it looks like it's from the same world. None of it looks like it's affected by the same darkness. Like there is a distinct lack of tone. There's a distinct lack of aesthetic. Um, It just, and you know, going into this film, we had already seen that, that cast photo. We had, you know, heard them talk about, how they're going to make a Frankenstein movie and they're going to make an Invisible Man movie and this this film just felt like it had the weight of an of a franchise on top of it Yep, um, it didn't feel like it really had a chance but it, you know in and of itself, it's not a good film it's not well paced there's, 90% of it feels like flashbacks to scenes we've already seen in the first five minutes like this is, just
0: yeah, this is, is one of those flashback heavy movies yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah. So so let's let's start with you. What are your what are your changes that you wrote down that you would make to this movie? We'll we'll leave your um your your rule breaker change for your for your last one. Okay. Um well this film was
1: written and directed by the one of the writers of Spider Man Amazing Spider Man Two and it feels like it. <laughs> Um, that scene where Tom Cruise is walking through Dr. Jekyll's, you know, hall of shit we might see in future movies, like, I literally was watching that and was like, oh my god. Like, the hand of the creature from the Black Lagoon and yeah. the skull with, the you know, vampire teeth, I'm like, this is sapping all of the interest I might have in these mo- future movies. Yeah. Just, you know, it's just sapping it from me because... This organization seems to have already dealt with these kind of creatures, um, so them seeing them, them encountering them for what should be the first time is not going to be the first time. Um, that scene in particular felt the most like Amazing Spider-Man Two, um, where you know the the figure in black is is walking through the hallway and he's passing the vulture's wings and he's passing. Doc Ock arms. Yeah. Um, But my, you know, my biggest change would be to make this a straight up horror film. Um, You know, films like the conjuring that franchise with, you know, like it or hate it with the Conjuring's one and two and and the nun and Annabelle and um, you know, the Annabelle prequel or whatever it was that showed movie studios I mean, they knew for a very long time, but they're like, wow, if we put some marketing into horror films that are made for a very low budget, the, the, we are going to see returns on that over and over again. And it seems like they just wanted this to be another or blockbuster. And it shouldn't have been. It much, should have been a much smaller film. It should have been a much darker film. Um, and the aesthetic should have been established between all of those characters or or all of the, you know, horror themes. Um, I also didn't understand the mentality of putting all of these characters into a franchise because, you know, we'll get to our end game in a minute, like what our end game would have been, but I don't understand what the, Creators' end game would be like: Are these monsters supposed to be sympathetic, or are they supposed to be okay? They all band together, and they're now all evil. And Van Helsing or another figure is our hero. Um, what what are what are some of uh, your your rewrites or your thoughts on it?
0: Well, is, wh- which one was your what what's your big rule breaker? Um, my my big rule breaker is to get rid of uh
1: the the writer director. I'm blanking on his name now. Uh-huh. Um, but he's he's not allowed to ever write a scene with an airplane again. <laughs> um, he's he's not allowed to write an establishing a franchise establishing movie again. Um it just there's he wants to throw everything into one pot and it just it doesn't work. I think the um I think the things that do work very well uh, are uh, Dr. Jekyll. I think that's interesting. I think that organization is interesting. I don't like that they showed as much of it as they did, as uh, you know, in terms of of that hallway scene where he sees the creature from the Black Lagoon hand and, and you know Dracula's skull or whatever it might be. Um, but I do like the idea of this organization that's kind of you know, keeping checks and balances on these evil forces. It reminds me of something like the, uh, um, what is the organization from Hellboy? The RPD or?
0: Yeah, um, the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Yeah. The, See, like they. the thing for me was it felt like they were trying to seem like they were as cool as that. But they really just seemed as incompetent as the um, the season four Buffy organization that makes Adam. Gotcha. <laughs> for, all my, um, for all my for for anyone listening right now that watches Buffy, I'm really hoping that I just got a good laugh and a yes from them. Uh, to everyone else, it's too long to explain. Uh, I. I when, mean.
1: You know, that organization would play into my potential sequels for this film, or, or, you know, for this franchise, Um, because that aspect I really didn't enjoy. Um, I mean, I didn't even hate Tom Cruise in the role, necessarily. I just think it's strange to me, and I understand that they're, they're different beasts completely, but it's strange to me, Tom Cruise, a person who's so obsessed with doing his own stunts and making things feel authentic, you know, especially in the Mission Impossible franchise, like, for him to be in a film that feels so artificial, that feels like it has no weight, that feels like his plot armor is thicker than anything else in this film, that feels like when he's fighting against the undead, like, that there's nothing there. Like, it, it feels like there's literally no other actors there it
0: feels like he's punching against a green screen. Yes. Yeah. You like, I remember there's the one awkward shot where he punches through one of the mummies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just such an awkward, like rack focus sort of shot that you can tell he didn't punch through anything.
1: No, Um, it's, it's, it all feels so artificial when, when they're headed through the tunnels and they've got like the undead like on all sides of them. And that was another problem is the moments in this film that are supposed to feel exciting are, they, they just don't deliver because it feels like there's no stakes. It feels like everyone's going to get out of this okay. Um, when they're going through the tunnel and the train, you know, buzzes past them, and they're still fighting one of, one of the undead next to them. And then they end up underwater, and it seems like Tom Cruise is underwater for an ungodly amount of time. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that. Just none of it seems like it has a weight to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if I was to be doing rewrites on this film, I just, I feel like we could cut this film down. It it feels like a film that could be saved by editing. It feels like a film that could be saved by, you know. That's way too much editing. (laughs) <laughs> By not constantly cutting back to moments that we as the audience have seen, and now we're seeing it through Tom Cruise's, you know, through through Nick's point of view of him being able to see into the past and see these moments like it's not, you know, relevant to, like it's not relevant to us. It's not. It just adds nothing to the film. It, it detracts from it.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, so do you have any more, uh, changes that you noted that you would make to, uh, to this film? Um, I mean, I think
1: I, I gave most of mine. I, I, re- I really think that, uh, um, uh, I'm so, I'm so sorry, I'm blanking on her name. Who was it wasn't that we recorded, um, recorded with after we came back from our long hiatus oh um nick nick from uh black girls do stuff too um i i think it was nick who made the point of really enjoying um dr heckle and uh, dr jekyll and mr hyde from this film and he's some of the best parts i mean he's he's written very generically like he says if i may like three times in the span of like two minutes, like it, it's really generic, um, proper English, you know, speaking. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, his his turn is really interesting. I mean, it's 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 Russell Crowe's ability as an actor to, you know, have that calm demeanor and then become so menacing with just a simple you know, affect of the voice and the way he turns and holds begins to hold himself up more. Oh, yeah.
0: well,
1: but, you know, that is those scenes could be extended tremendously, you know, tremendously, but but those those are my biggest issues with the film.
0: Alright. Alright. Let me take a crack at this now. Alright. So first and foremost and this this is this to me is the the most important out of everything because it's the part of the movie that bothered me the most we remove tom cruise winning via sexual assault okay the fact the fact that our hero wins because he forces a woman regardless of how evil she is he forces a woman down and forces her To be kissed by him while he's on top of her. And that's how Mm -hmm. he wins. It's cringe-inducing. Yeah. Um, I think because they had... I, I think because they were trying to go for some sort of sexiness, they made her, like, oh, she kisses everyone that she turns. Yeah. And so they... In their eyes, they thought they wrote themselves into a corner, or they thought it was some sort of karmic justice that that's how she gets her comeuppance. No, we don't need people kissing to to do evil things. Um, yeah, not unless you're going to make the film a solid social commentary piece. But they were not doing that with this.
1: Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not here to justify the film by any means. To me, and this is not necessarily a compliment in any way, but I felt it more like, you know, from the movie Life Force, like yeah. it, is, it is not, you know, I mean, things don't exist in a vacuum, but it didn't seem to me like a sexual act. It, it seemed to me like I'm taking, you know, I'm taking your power
0: from you. I'm taking your life from you. Um, yeah, it's by go, it's, back, go back and watch life.
1: The, listen to the life force episode. <laughs> yes,
0: it's by no means meant to be a sexual act, but it still just doesn't come off yeah. great. Um, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, you could very easily go for the you know just the simple concept of the spirit, um, the like the spirit of set or or some you know. Anyone that gets con- gets conjured just so displeased in how bad a job that she's doing or something of that nature that it just takes this life force that it gave her away from her yeah you know you don't have to go super big with it you can keep it simple um, yeah and in that same vein, no immortality for Tom Cruise. Because no, if that, he, seems
1: like, if that seems like a very strange choice.
0: He's literally immortal in this movie. And it's... The, the second I realized he was immortal in this movie, I went, okay, so there's no stakes? Okay. <laughs> there's no yeah. stakes, there's no heightened tension, there's no nothing, it's just going on. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah. I still think you can find some way to, you know, bring his sidekick back from the dead... Um, is like maybe a reward at the end or something but or you know or he gets you know or the power gets transferred to him as a reward um i i don't think there's anything wrong with him at the end of the movie being the powerful being that he is at the end of the movie but i don't think he needs to be there until i think making him that after the villain is defeated is better yeah. because then it almost gives us something to tune in next time for. Yeah. Um, With that said, like put that whole bit about him in the desert with zombie friend, put it as like a mid credit scene. Yeah. Don't linger the movie. Don't linger the movie too much after the villain is dead. Yeah. Let it go to the credits. so people can start leaving because at that, anything after that point is just sequel baiting. And if the MCU has done anything for us, it has shown us that sequel baiting that belongs in the mid credit sequence or at the end of the credits. That's when yep. you sequel bait. Um, and I, w- I was surprised for how much this
1: film focused on, you know, it becoming a franchise or it being the, 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 the cornerstone of, of the franchise that it didn't have a mid credit scene or an end credit scene. Yeah. Um, I was, I was kind of surprised by
0: that. Yeah, it was a poor decision, uh, in my opinion. Um, the society, and yeah, that society, it needs to be far more mysterious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and this will tie into my endgame stuff a little bit, but I think instead of, you know, first of all, Dr. Jekyll, we we know that there is a leader of the organization, but we don't see him till the end credits. And that's when we introduce Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. So that way there's, again, there's a tune in next time mentality. Cause now we've seen him as Mr. Hyde. So there's nothing exciting about watching a Jekyll and Hyde movie outside of, if you enjoyed this, watch him do it for a whole movie. Yeah. Um, But it gives kind of surprise and fun um plus it gives you a chance to cast someone like Lance Lance Reddick who this society is just ripe to have Lance Reddick in it um and he is the he's the tall skinny slightly gauntish um black actor from Fringe Lost Oz um, John Wick John Wick yes he's the concierge in John Wick that's right um You know, have him there. He is perfect to be your exposition machine within the society. But the society still should not give that much away. Um, And instead of having, you know, the hand of the creature of the Black Lagoon, have a case that seems like it needs something in it with a map of the Amazon and maybe some pictures. You know, have, you know, have stuff like that. Have little trinkets... Where it's not a blatant, you look at it and know what it is. You have to kind of really look to figure out what it is. But notice, you know, I see the hand of the creature of the Black Lagoon in a case. And I go, okay, well, if we do any of these movies, I know how it's going to end. Yeah. (laughs) I know it's going to end with them chopping off the hand. So, (laughs) don't need to see that now. But you show me an empty case, now I'm intrigued. Yeah. Now I want to know what's going on. Um... So, you do you know you do stuff like that, and again, it'll tie into my my thoughts of the the end game of things. But also, and this is with the franchise as a whole, Universal had the chance to do something really clever, really fun, that would have grabbed a lot of people's attention. Which is, they could have vowed to make this, to make these franchises, never go above like ten percent, in use of CGI. In the movies. Yeah. yeah. If this, like, if this movie had been able to pride itself and promote itself on almost no CGI of being able to go like, yeah, we, you know, we did bigotures and had sand, you know, pushed sand through them for the sand yeah. going through London and stuff, you know, we did stuff like that, you know, really keeping it to Universal Movie Monster's old school do-it-live roots. Yeah, it would have grabbed a lot of people, and it would have—I mean, for me, it would have sold me on going to see the movie. Yeah, absolutely would have sold me. Um, so I mean, those are my little things. Here's here is my big, my big changer, my big rule breaker. Get rid of Jake Johnson. Oh no! I I, I agree s- to get rid of him after he's killed. N- no! 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 I just mean get rid of the actor, replace him. I mean replace him because having having that like been to the underworld and is back and probably has a bunch of knowledge because mm-hmm. of it in his head character to be there f- throughout the franchise. That's fantastic. I love that idea. I yeah. can get on board with that idea. Um, having somebody who does not, who is not able to pull off the comedy, or the scariness of the character is ridiculous. He couldn't... He he was completely incapable in this movie of being funny when he was supposed to be funny, mysterious when he was supposed to be mysterious, and scary when he was supposed to be scary. He failed in all three points.
1: I, I agree, but I do not think that is his fault. I think that is the fault of poor writing and poor
0: direction. Well, I enjoyed him in the small dose that i had to watch him in jurassic world Mm -hmm. that's been it that's honestly (laughs) been it i couldn't i could not i literally needed to hurt him in safety not guaranteed i needed to hurt him and he is the reason why i could not sit through any more of new girl Oh, you're crazy. I you're literally, I literally couldn't get past when he and Zoe Deschanel hooked up. Because I just couldn't take his character anymore. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of her character either. That shows all about its supporting characters, not its two leads. But mm. because the two leads were so insufferable, I gave up on it. But yeah, I'm not a Jake Johnson fan. And it's funny that you were talking about Chris Pratt, because he was my immediate thought of who to cast in that role. Yeah. Because
1: need Chris Pratt somewhere in this franchise.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. But also, I think having someone like Chris Pratt, who almost feels thematically like he's a protege of the Tom Cruises and the Harrison Fords in his career, yeah. um, to have him playing, you know, you know, right-hand man to one of those guys makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I can see him be, you know like Jake Johnson getting killed because a spider bit him does not surprise me. Because yeah. it doesn't even look like he should have been able to live through whatever else has happened in his life up until the point he got bit by the spider. Yeah. <laughs> But you tell me Chris Pratt has been along with Tom Cruise for the ride, been able to building surf as they collapse and stuff like that and survived it. Mm-hmm. I will believe that. I will not believe Jake Johnson did that, but I will believe Chris Pratt did. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I can get on board with that. I'm not, um, uh, you know, I like Jake, uh, Jake Johnson, but I'm not married to him. I can, I can live with that change.
0: Yeah. And that, I know a lot of people, their reaction would be to um, to get rid of the the actress. I think Annabelle Wallace, I think, is her name. I can't remember. Um, there is there is nobody who can fix that role. But that role is, exp- is disposable. Yeah. Like, after this movie, she doesn't have to come back. Whereas with Jake Johnson's character, he would clearly be a reoccurring character throughout the franchise. Yeah. So to me, that's more a priority to make sure is right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, those are, those are my, those, those are my changes um, to the franchise for, for what it's worth. (laughs)
1: So do you want to jump into your potential sequels, or or do you want me to go first?
0: Well, I, well, I was going to say first. Let's uh, focus on what we view the franchise endgame. So, okay. if you if you want to go ahead and start with that, uh, go for it.
1: Okay. Um. So, you know, this is to say after after two or three additional films, you know, we have we have our endgame where we have now a cast of monsters. We have a cast of heroes, um, and this is this is what this was one of the hardest aspects for me to to think about because, like I said, I don't know where the creators had their head at when they started to think of this concept of of all of the monsters together because, um, you know, in my version of what this could have potentially been, you know, I think the classic Universal monsters works so well because so many of them are very sympathetic characters um, you know Lon Chaney jr. as much as people want to make fun of his sort of hammy performance and how you know how reluctant he is to be be the wolfman you know that is one of those things that makes that film so great is that he's a, he understands that he's a monster um, he's not in control of when he becomes the wolfman you know, it's completely involuntary. He doesn't want it. Um, I, the same thing with with uh, Frankenstein's monster. You know, he didn't he didn't ask to be created. He's here, and there's constant, um, you know, discrimination basically against his against that character. Um, just <clears throat> out out of the fact that he was created, like he he has committed no other sins. You know, other than. I mean, I guess he killed a little girl, but he didn't mean to. So, um, in my universe, that would be the strength of this franchise is to make it a horror franchise and to make the characters incredibly sympathetic. Um, and that's how you make them heroes, you know, potentially at the end of this is that, you know, they overcome the, the the adversity that they've encountered and they, are these weird anti-heroes. They're these, um, the, these characters and creatures that are, they don't want the fates that have been put upon them, but this, this is how they're going to make the world better. Um, I think you could have a number of people be big, bad of this franchise. Um, I think it would be incredibly clever to kind of, Steal an idea from from the MCU and make this organization that is that appears to be this organization that is keeping evil, you know, in check, keeping keeping the checks and balances to actually be sort of a front. And hmm. maybe we see Eddie Hyde. You know, maybe he's in control when Doctor Jekyll doesn't know that he's in control. Maybe he knows that hey, I need to be dosed by this point, and that way Dr. Jekyll wakes up and he thinks, you know, he's none the wiser because I've been pulling the strings behind the scenes. Um, So there's a, you know, section of this this organization that is truly evil that wants to perpetuate this evil and, and bring it about into the world, and that's where our heroes and our monsters come together. You know, the ones that have been pursued by this organization, and they end up being the ones that can destroy this organization from the inside and liberate us from the evil that they would bring to the world um, I think that could be a clever idea I think Dracula could also be your big bad because of the classic monsters he is probably the least sympathetic um, he Dracula kind of understands he's evil and doesn't he doesn't even see it as evil but um, there's not a lot of sympathy behind his actions. Yeah, um, I think Dracula could be a potential big bad, or even you know, Doctor Frankenstein. You know, maybe Doctor Frank- Frankenstein's someone who's mad with power. But you know, one of those three potentially being someone who's pulling the strings behind the scenes, um, being someone who maybe oversees the organization, but you know, has ulterior motives and wants to project it as they want to keep this evil out of the world. They're actually bringing the evil into the world. Um, and that's how you get all your, all your monsters, your heroes together at the end to fight this, um, to fight this grander evil. Um, I think the biggest problem with this franchise and it even persists in, in the mummy specifically is there seems to be so many sources of evil conflicting with one another Um, You get like ancient Egyptian gods, but we can also, you know, we can calm them down through Mercury and and it has weird sci-fi elements and it has this zombie aesthetic. Um, And I think, you know, they never intended for the Universal Monsters to exist in one franchise necessarily. So that's why it's difficult to pin down where they would all come from because they can't all come from one source necessarily. Um, to to draw a comparison to like the 1999 um, mummy, I think that film works so well because it is a period piece and it is uh, very camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's elements of horror when there needs to be, but overall it's, it's pretty much a pulp action film. Um, and I think making this mummy, you know, I I can understand them wanting to make it current day, um, but I think that actually is a detriment to to the franchise. I would have liked to seen an initial first film that takes place years ago to see this organiza- organization organization mm-hmm. that starts working in the shadows and only becomes larger and stronger as the franchise continues into modern day. Yeah, uh, but that's that's more or less my thoughts on on where I could
0: see it going. How about you? Um, Well, I'm, I'm admittedly a little cliche out the gate with it, but then, you know, eventually to, to give it some more freedom. So for me, I, you know, I do view Dracula as kind of the, the end game villain of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sorry for people who hate Marvel. I'm not saying end game because of, of the Avengers movie. I'm just, Using it as its actual expression. Um, But, you know, I would like to see that, you know, after a handful of movies, we get a movie that's about uh, this society. And the reason they have all these empty containers with these locations is they have to collect artifacts that will bring back Van Helsing to fight Dracula.
1: Okay, I'm on
0: board. Um, So you do that as a singular movie of bringing Van Helsing back so he can help fight. You can bring in, you know, Tom Cruise and his sidekick and any other good guys that you create along the way to help out. um, Whether they're major players or they're just helping in one location. Um, Because then, you know, you know, what if the dagger from this movie with the Blood Red Ruby or Blood Diamond or whichever it was is, you know, what if that's the, 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 one of the artifacts, because that's the, that, you know, that's a dagger that can kill Dracula, you know, sort of thing, um, but once you've had that movie where Van Hels, they've rescued, you know, they've, they've brought Van Helsing back, he's defeated Dracula, then you don't need the organization around constantly tying everything together. And these franchises can exist in sort of the old fashioned way. You can have crossovers, sequels, stuff like that. You know, you can have a series of Frankenstein movies where maybe one of the movies is a Frankenstein meets the Wolfman sort of thing where the two characters crossover. You can have that kind of stuff without, um, without having to ever go back to an end game, mentality and just let know all these movies exist within themselves and you can be excited when you know, the organization shows up in a movie every now and then, but it's no longer that we're working towards something that these movies just exist amongst them, you know, amongst themselves, within themselves, um, where cameos and crossovers can happen, but it's no longer, You know, it's no longer about going, okay, what's the MacGuffin that, you know, how is this movie going to tie into, you know, how's this Frankenstein movie going to tie into the, this new mummy movie that's coming out? You know, how are they going to tie into each other in the long game? You don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, It's like, okay, I'm going to go see this Frankenstein movie. Then I'm going to go see this mummy movie and that's it. Um, so that's the, kind of the way it is for me because then you basically just get to live in it as long as you want. Um, I also have the, the belief that every movie should have its own director. Um, it shouldn't be every movie directed, every Frankenstein movie should not be the same director. Every mummy movie should not be the same director, et etc. Et um, it's really, it's a, it would be a chance for Universal to have a breeding ground for taking... Um, taking on all these directors to potentially send them elsewhere yeah. within the studio, and to let the and to have fun with them there first in something that's a little safer.
1: Gotcha. It, um this is kind of a this is kind of a tangent, but I just wanted to interject this because I had thought about it earlier. How do you think, if at all, that um this film was affected by things like? Dracula Untold and I, Frankenstein coming out in you know very, not very close together, but you know in close proximity.
0: I think uh, I legitimately think that every single I think every single Universal monster movie between Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman and this film, this uh, the Tom Cruise Mummy film. I think every movie that came out in between them was forgettable. I don't think anyone remembered any of these. You know, the average theater go the average movie goer didn't go. Yeah, but I watched that Aaron Eckhart Frankenstein movie and it sucked. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to go see Mummy. Most people did not see I Frankenstein. No, no. And um, I Frankenstein
1: wasn't a universal film, but they I Frankenstein came out in January 2014 and then Dracula and what I believe was October 2014. And I just I remember that the the dark universe Dracula Untold was a universal film, and it felt like this announcement
0: of the Dark Universe came out pretty shortly after Dracula Untold. Well, I think Dracula Untold was supposed to be the start of its own franchise, failed miserably, and so they decided to go for more of the, um... I think they saw Marvel as being Flash and 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 razzle dazzle and all that and so they were trying to emulate that for this latest attempt at creating a franchise um and it just you know it's not what made marvel work so therefore it didn't make it work for them yeah all right so the final thing here uh, that we're gonna do since um since this is of course a one film franchise We're not going to discuss every single film that we would ever put into this franchise, but we're each going to give two movies that we would imagine being in this universe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Alex, go ahead and give us your two films. Um, So, like I said, I think the
1: biggest strengths of the original uh, Universal Monster movies are that the characters are sympathetic. Um, And I think... The two movies that I would choose play, you know, play into those strengths, um, and that would be Invisible Man, with or without Johnny Depp. It's the the casting is is sort of irrelevant.
0: Oh yeah, that should be a disclaimer. Um, the no cast changes rule does not apply to people who were casted in movies that never even made it into production. So we're not we're not um, we're not beholden to either Johnny Depp or Javier Bardem. But if we wanted to do Jekyll and Hyde, we would be beholden to Russell Crowe. Gotcha. Um, so just that disclaimer. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good point to make. Um, you know, I really haven't thought about alternative casting, but. I think an Invisible Man where, and I haven't seen the new film um, that they released, you know, just this this year, actually. Um, but rather than an Invisible Man where the Invisible Man is the predator, I would love to see an Invisible Man film where he is the prey. And he is being hunted by this organization or, you know, they know where about he, he may be, but they don't know exactly where he may be. Um, but I think an Invisible Man where he is on the run for a majority of the film is an intriguing idea to me. Um, sort of akin to, you know, something like, uh, you know, I hate to keep referencing the MCU, but like the Incredible Hulk where, you know, he is constantly on the run. He's constantly one step ahead of people tracking him. Um, he might have, one or two confidants who know where he is, who can help him in his his escape or his, his journey to wherever he needs to get to, um, would be a really interesting concept. Um, and you know, I think that that movie is ultimately resolved by you know maybe him learning that the organization that he is hunting him is not you know an evil one, they, they want to assemble this team of monsters, basically, to, um, you know, seek out potential threats, to, uh, to be a defense against potential threats. Um, but I think to see an invisible man where he is hurting, he's being hunted, he is, you know, an outcast would be uh, a really interesting proposition. Um, and my second choice, I think would be, um, the Wolfman and, uh, we could even cast Javier Bardem in that because that's, that's what I think he would be great for. Um,
0: no Ryan Gosling,
1: no, no Ryan Gosling, (laughs) um, you know, there's, there's potential other castings for, um, for the Wolfman, but I think he could again, you know, I think play into that Lon Chaney Jr. that, you know, that he is a man who's struggling with what he becomes whenever he, you know, whenever it's night and he doesn't have control over it and he is constantly battling battling against what he knows is going to take hold of him. Um, and, you know, I think that that would be, I think it'd be really interesting to, you know, for, for either film to have Tom Cruise or, or characters we've established in in the Mummy be the people who are hunting the Wolfman, be the people who are hunting um, the Invisible Man, mm-hmm. and you know maybe over the course of multiple films that team grows and you kind of, like they all become members of this team hunting for additional potential members of this team.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can always you could also go interesting and have the uh, the Jake Johnson character because of what he's been through and because of essentially his powers of sorts. Maybe he can see the Invisible Man.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can you can play up the fact that he can tap into these people who are cursed. And if you know, you know, if you want to have one theme or one device that binds all these characters together, it can be that they're cursed. Um, You know, it can't necessarily be from the same source. I think it'd be, you know, a poor choice to keep tapping into that Egyptian, you know, the god of death set well. But um, just him being able to look out and see these people who have these, these abilities, these, you know, unfortunate circumstances put upon them, I think would be an interesting idea.
0: Yeah. All right. So you got an invisible man. What? And, um, and you got Wolfman. Yep. Those are your, those are your two that you're going with here.
1: I, I think so. I think those would be exciting ideas.
0: I don't disagree. I do not disagree at all. Um, fortunately I went with two completely different. Uh, so we're, we'll have a little bit of mix. It's not just going to be us. Repeating ourselves essentially. Um, And also, because unlike you, I don't have a job, I went a little bit deeper (laughs) um, with these as a result. Um, Literally, just because I don't have a job. So, this is how I entertain myself. Um, My first one is doing Frankenstein. Um, I'd love to see a Frankenstein movie. You know, you can set it present day, maybe a little bit earlier, um, and use some. You know, use, you can use a lot of the concepts these days of like, how much do we trust doctors? Thing you know, like the concepts of medical information, stuff like that, playing into it. Um, for for my primary cast, because again, I too much time. Um, I I really wanted to go something fun. Uh, and and different, but at the same time obvious for Doctor Frankenstein. So my Doctor Victor Frankenstein is Jeffrey Wright. Oh, okay. Um, who we're going to be seen as Commissioner Gordon in the Batman.
1: Yeah, no, I like that.
0: Um, for the monster, bear with me, because this is a this is a little gimmicky in the casting. <laughs> but for the monster, Dwayne Johnson. Alright, you really gotta sell me on this. (laughs) So, the monster's gotta be this big, looming, scary force. You know, you... If you have just a normal-sized guy as the monster, it's not that threatening. Um, You need someone who's bigger. But we also know that he could, like... Love him or hate him, Dwayne Johnson can tap into a level of vulnerability that you would need for... The monster, but also tap into a a rage that would make you go, everyone get out of his way, shit's getting bad. Like, I'm not, think, you know, I'm not going to think that everything's going to be okay, good hunky-dory, if The Rock, you know, as the monster, gets mad. Yeah. Um... And a lot of that's just going to depend on visual, you know, visually makeup, prosthetics wise, how they make him look is also going to play a part in that. Um, but I, I mean, we're we're far away enough from him being super typecast that you know having him do something like this would be fun. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and it would, you know, it's giving him a chance to do something. That, that he honestly, as far as I'm concerned, has paid his dues to be able to try. Yeah. Um, my, my last casting for it, I this popped into my head and I couldn't get it out because it got me so excited for a movie that doesn't exist. Um, I wanted to have a... a I, I can't remember how prevalent Dr. Frankenstein's father is in the original material. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a father figure that was harsh and cruel. You know, sort of... Maybe not necessarily the villain of the movie, but still just a, a bastard. Mm-hmm. And for that role, I cast Ben Vereen. Okay. Because that would be powerful. Ben Vereen is just a tour de force of talent. And to watch him... like. Literally, my dad, who's seen him perform on Broadway, I sold, I pitched this Frankenstein movie to my dad, and when I mentioned Ben Vereen as as Frankenstein's cruel father, he got, he like that made his eyes light up. Yeah. So this is like that. That to me is like the thing to be excited about the idea of that. Um, and then eventually, you know, eventually, of course, regardless of what happens to the monster. You know, Dr. Frankenstein is a perfect person for the society to want. Um, Beyond just his scientific knowledge, you know, somebody who can tell you, you know, somebody who can help make sure that there's a really bad lightning storm when you're trying to fight someone like Dracula. Yeah. uh, Who you don't want to have fly away. That, that's handy. And let's face it big gigantic lightning strikes happening around Dracula while he's trying to escape that, that would just look cool. Um, yeah. and the last part of this is again, cause I had too much time. I have my directors for these movies as well. Um, my Frankenstein movie I would want directed by Daniel Crundy and Bridget Savage Cole, who directed the Amazon film blow the man down. Okay uh now if you a- anyone who has not seen this film yourself included, uh, it is fantastic. It is all about this uh, these girls who live in a small fishing town and after their mother dies, they find themselves through bo- their, through their own fault and not their own fault thrust into the underworld of this town and its dark secrets. Um, The directing work that that, that they did for that film was fantastic. Um, They made the villain so imposing in that film. And just the the work they did visually with that film was fantastic, and I would love to see them tackle... um, tackled this like I was literally scrolling through movies I've watched on Letterboxd to try to pick a director and I crossed that and I immediately stopped and was like yeah I want to I want to see them do that yeah um so that's my first one that's my first one uh now moving on to uh my second one is Creature of the Black Lagoon which of course was going to be my other choice because I love these uh, I, I love those movies um I love the character, I love the whole mythos around it Um, this one I would want it to be a World War II movie uh, where the whole concept is uh, the military and scientists are traveling into the Amazon to find places they can set up bases to make sure that they can keep an advantage on the Nazis okay so, automatically, you put a big stake on it. Now, the reason I've thought a lot about this one and that kind of stuff to it is, quite frankly, just because in my dream world, I get to write and direct this movie. But yeah. I did not I did not cat-pick a director accordingly. I stayed realistic to people who actually get to direct movies. Um, now, for the couple that runs the ship that travels in, I picked... Um, I was going to try to pronounce his name. I'm not going to do it because I would just butcher it. But the, uh, the actor who played Adebisi in Oz, he played Mr. Echo on Lost. He was Killer Croc in Suicide Squad. Um, he was Curse in Thor The Dark World. Um, just an absolutely amazing actor uh, who, who, outside of Oz, really has never gotten the work he deserves. Um, have him, and then as his wife, Thandie Newton. Okay. So you have the two of them as this couple that are, you know, running the ship that takes these people in. Now, there's there are a larger majority, you know, there's a larger ensemble than just what I've casted, but as your main scientist, Tatiana Maslani, because... Long live Orphan Black, clone club forever. <laughs> everyone start watching that fucking show. I'm sick of telling everyone to watch fucking Orphan Black. Um I'm going to start weekly um getting on you about that shit, dude. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, I need
0: to finish it. <laughs> Amazon Prime, all 5 seasons are on there. Each season's only 10 episodes. It's an easy read. Just watch the fucking show, everyone. Um but so you get her as the, the the head scientist and then as the, the main military member and there's no love interest storyline. The whole romance of this is entirely between the married couple. So there's no like couples hooking up or anything like that romance storyline, but mm-hmm. your head military person, John Hamm. Okay. So you get somebody who seems like they can, you know, they can hold their own but is not so physically imposing that you're just like okay, well they're not gonna lose against the frickin', the the frickin fish man. Like yeah, um, this one I think like this this one to me just I'm both both of my ideas I really want to see, but this one especially has me excited for multiple reasons. Um, but yeah, and for the director for this one I went with another um, another. Streaming original, um, indie film. I went with, uh, Anders Walter, who directed the film I Kill Giants. Okay. Um, just an amazing movie that's very offbeat. It's very unusual, and having somebody who's going to deliver something unique and not just make, like, a stereotypical um serialize st- stylistic um period piece i think would be essential um and would would help make the the movie give the movie more life so so those are my two those are my two i like them and there you have it folks we have um hopefully hopefully we have fixed this franchise um <laughs> I mean, I'm sure
1: Universal will be giving us a call.
0: Yes, Universal is going to be calling us any day now, uh, begging us to come sit in an office and get all this worked out for them. Um, I, it, may, it might literally happen. They have the Fast and the Furious franchise. That's all they've got going for them at this point. Um, they're, they've got to be desperate. They've got that. They've got one more Jurassic World movie to come out and... Does anyone have that much faith in it? (laughs) Like, you can be like, oh, the original cast is in it. Okay, Sam Neill was in Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. Was there a talking dinosaur in it? There was? Shut up. (laughs) Not the worst moment in that movie. Yeah. But definitely bad. Um, The worst moment in that movie is the annoying opportunistic douchebag surviving the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who clearly should have been a, a human villain in the movie and then wasn't and then survived. Um, <laughs> it's like the sun surviving war of the worlds. I'll never forgive Spielberg for that one. <laughs> I was so happy that he was dead and then they just took it away from me. Um <laughs> But yeah so so there we go there you have it guys we we have uh we have hopefully I feel like we have uh fixed the dark universe franchise um obviously part of it is reviving it from the dead, but that's on universal not on us um, yeah. but the question is do you guys think that we did a good job uh, attempting to uh revitalize? This franchise. Do you think that we have done a a good job uh, with our our corrections, with our with our fixes, with our ideas? Uh, Is you know, have we pitched a franchise that you now would want to go into the theaters to watch? Um, Yeah. Setting aside obvious current um, crisis going on, but. but you know let let us hear um you know, we're on Twitter at movies work, you can let us know, you know, do you think we did a good job, do you think we did a terrible job you know is this is this kind of an episode something that you want to see more of or hear more of I mean, if you start
1: a title for for this fix it series,
0: yes, give us an idea for a title <laughs> um. <laughs> It took us like a week to come up with the title for the whole podcast, so um, so you're not getting one anytime soon. There'll be some painfully punny, not clever title in the, the episode, for the episode for now, but, um, you know, let us know what you liked, let us know what you didn't like. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to put a poll out um, after this episode's been out for a little bit. To see which of our four additional films to this franchise you guys want to see the most. Uh, whether it's, you know, Frankenstein, Creature of the Black Lagoon, Invisible Man, or Wolfman. You know, let you guys poll and see which one you guys would like to see the most well, out of them.
1: Spoiler alert, it's going to be one of yours since you actually had ideas. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but the thing no is casting, is that you have directors. But the thing is, you know, is that a if people if, if people don't like my ideas though, then you know, people might not like my ideas or people might not like me. You know, no, there are ways that No to one go doesn't
1: like the idea of Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Wright as, as Dr. Frankenstein.
0: There's very few things that you can say including Jeffrey Wright and people aren't going to be excited because you, you they know, know that he is one of the best actors alive right now.
1: Yeah, as you were saying that, and as you as you were trying to sell me on uh, on the rock as as the monster, I'm like, you know what? I could say we could be saying this about Dave Bautista, and I would be a little bit more excited.
0: But see, here's the thing: after watching Dave Bautista in the beginning of Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. I don't want to see him as the monster. I want to see him doing something more along those veins, because Dave, Dave Bautista in Blade Runner 2049 is basically the only thing I came out of that movie enjoying. Gotcha. Like his performance was phenomenal. The character was phenomenal. I want to see him play that sort of gentle giant character, but Mm -hmm. with that sort of like, I mean, he, he, he worked those glasses in that movie. Um, but, uh, like, that gentle, smart gi- giant sort of thing. I want to see him do something like that. Whereas we're constantly seeing Dwayne Johnson as the leader, the head of this, the head of that. So to watch him play somebody who's essentially in servitude to somebody else, even if it's not meant to be that way, is so much more a compelling idea to me. Um, but, yeah, so... You know, guys, let us know again at movies work uh, is where you can uh, where you can talk to us on Twitter. It's usually me rambling about stuff, but, you know, still, Um, you know, if you guys want to, you know, if you guys have more to say on this than Twitter allows or you want to pitch us some movies and we can all as a community build the dark universe for Universal uh, movies after at gmail.com is where you can email us on you know much more stuff um, be able to say more without limitation um, I would tell you where to find the podcast to listen to it but you're listening to it so you got there okay um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't understand why I ever told people where to find the podcast in the past because you know again they're here um, <laughs> it seems like it's something you have to do. Yeah, it's it seems obligated. Like when you know a TV, like when you get TV channels, like local Fox affiliates or something like that, telling you like, oh, you can watch reruns of Big Bang Theory at eight thirty on Fox. Like. You don't have to tell us on Fox. <laughs> it's you, implied. It's implied. I'm on that channel. You're not going to sit you're not going to sit here and go, "Hey guys, we got a great lineup. But you know what? I'm really excited to see what happens on the series finale of Mom on CBS." So let's all go over there. <laughs> I would love to hear someone say that cuz that would be fantastic. <laughs> I'm. I mainly just use Mom because while I st- I'm only like four seasons in, I need to get caught up. Um. Because I love Alice and Janie, um, I've gotten to meet her. She's a sweetheart. Um. But, um. Yeah, the, the Anna Ferris is leaving the show, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> like, no. N- not to be a off- fan. Not to like be mean about it, but like why do that you're kind of like like you're you're putting every other person's job at risk by leaving this show yeah because yeah, i don't know
1: what else she has coming down the pike right now
0: yeah because you're like literally you're going that means your dot da- the daughter character is going too that literally leaves somebody you know that leaves allison janny who is essentially the titular mom only by name, but not by any relationship she has on the show. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I digress. Um, but, um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll end this before we start rambling some more. (laughs) <laughs> uh We have to get our
1: mom plug in before we ended it.
0: Yeah, we you know, we're not we're we're not paid by them, but who knows, fingers crossed. We're like every other podcast, we like we're like we like plugging things that aren't giving us money to do it. Yeah. Um Yeah, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um I as always I'm Tom Screen. I'm Alex Devez. Yeah, you know, be kind, be safe, and have a good day at work.
1: Thank you guys. Bye bye.